Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story today... There was an anti-coronavirus protest in Berlin, reportedly in attendance, 18,000 people. Police broke it up, went in there and said they weren't adhering to the anti-mask rule, uh, the mask rules and the distancing rules, all that kind of stuff, which are held until September 1st. Their death rate is practically zero. Very, very low. So I'm surprised that they these guys did their protest before that was lifted. Maybe they were doing it in anticipation of an extension. I don't know. But when I first saw the news of this, I thought, I'm sure they're just going to call them in international news and our news Nazis. And then I saw the two headlines from FT, which is the Financial Times, which is the big London paper, and CNN. Here are the headlines. Berlin, this is FT. Berlin virus protests show far-right seizing on restrictions fatigue. And CNN says thousands of COVID deniers protest in Berlin and London. So here are my thoughts on this is they, they, I knew immediately, one of the articles said that far-right, uh, People, organizations, whatever, called for armed attendance at these rallies on social media and that there was an attack on the Reichstag from the far right. So it looks to me like there was a, you know, kind of false flag operation put into place where they actually called up the far right to discredit, to taint this genuine anti COVID restrictions movement to discredit them. And then I thought further, that if you we we preempted that altogether by or in this country the authorities preempted that altogether by colluding in my opinion to generate these race riots these protests that a have brought in the white nationalist theme and b have scared away any genuine first amendment covid objectors from protesting. So I see everything we're talking about, everything we will talk about today and that's happening as coming together. There are there's more than one purpose to all of these things, but they are converging. Obviously, the big big purpose is this transition through the great reset to a highly controlled society as Brzezinski said the technotronic era, that's where we're going here, but the race riots, the protests, the covid stuff it seems to all be coming together and the any kind of true narrative on the Berlin story helps illuminate that, in my opinion. Robert Kennedy Jr. spoke in Germany over the weekend. Did you know that? Oh, I did see something like that. And he made references like to how they're going to be called Nazis. They're going to call everybody Nazis for coming to this. And he spoke about the dangers yeah, I of think vaccines he, and Bill Gates. I think he was speaking at this protest, that this 18,000 person protest. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, and I did want to tell people, I saw somebody sent me privately, they said, don't spread this on social media, but because I guess they don't want that kind of attention. But Robert Kennedy is going to be in Kansas City, in Wichita, Kansas, on the 15th of September, September 15th, for a, it's Kansans for Health Freedom. It's KSHF.com. And people are coming together in person to try to I guess preempt mandatory vaccination. Anyway, 
KSHF.com. Kennedy will be there. Just giving him a shout out. And, and anytime anyone gives me information like that, I'm happy to spread it around. He said at the rally, at home in the United States, the newspapers say that I spoke in front of 5,000 Nazis. He goes on to say later, the only thing you need to turn people into slaves is fear. I find it interesting that it is Robert Kennedy Jr. who was over there speaking. I know he has a long history of speaking out against vaccines, against problems with vaccines. But the QAnon community, some in the QAnon community, believe that one of the dead Kennedys, I think JFK's son, believe that he is QAnon and he's alive. And now you have Robert Kennedy Jr. speaking here. It puts... You know, it fuels the flames of that narrative a little bit, which I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah, I mean, I I want to believe in RFK. I want to believe in the kind of anti-vax movement that has big names attached to it and everything. I I just, something tells me, man, it ain't going to matter. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah, there's something definitely very strange about all of that. All of we're these we're not winning, and and you know what? If there's two steps forward and one step back, we are rushing headlong into this technocratic totalitarianism. I just don't see it turning around. Well, I mean, regardless, hopefully it's RFK. Around. Yeah, but I mean, hoping isn't going to do it. It's not going to happen. I just feel like RFK, whether he's real or not, I, I just I cannot see the path. It is not clear to me the path. We'll keep looking and one day it will be crystal clear. <laughs> maybe. Did you see the New York Times article that dropped on Saturday evening? That's quite a time to drop an article like this. Saturday evening when people aren't paying as much attention to the news. Nobody's talking about a, this today. Was it even was it in the Sunday news? Was it in the Sunday paper even, I wonder? I bet it wasn't. I don't know. I read it on the internet. Yeah. But the gist of the article is this. The coronavirus test, they tested a bunch of data. It was analyzed across three states, and it was concluded that the tests were done improperly. They weren't done the right way, and had they been done correctly, up to 90% of the people tested in this data set would not have tested positive. 90% of people, if the tests were done properly, would not have tested positive. And if you apply this across the country, that significantly lowers the rate of testing infection, obviously, or, or, or infection rate. And I can give you some of the details of it. The details are important. It can get a bit confusing the way that they describe it. And I think they do it that way on purpose because they kind of bury the leads in this article. But I will tell you some of the details right after this. What's up, guys? With such uncertainty in the world right now, the best way to have true security is by growing your own food. And Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia, they got you covered. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, chicken feed, bird feed, farm supply, everything your garden or farm needs. They even host a farmer's market on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And right now, for Propaganda Report listeners only, they're offering 10% off of all online purchases at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. Just type in coupon code PROP, P-R-O-P, all caps, upon checkout. And if you have any questions, give them a call at 678 678- 653-8838. Okay, the headline of the article is your coronavirus test is positive, maybe it shouldn't be. The usual diagnostic test may simply be too sensitive and too slow to contain the spread of the virus. That's quite a way they frame it. I don't even understand that. I know. How can they, a test they, contain? They frame it all 
warped so that you can't easily process it, and then they bury the yes, lead. Yes, I think I tried to tackle that article a couple of times. I did. I read, I read through this article multiple head. times, yes. and I tried to explain it to my friend on the phone, and I realized my right. friend was a little bit high, and I was not getting anywhere with him. So <laughs> no, you're definitely not getting but anywhere. Huh? Yeah, I know you can help me. The standard test of diagnosing huge numbers of people who may be carrying the virus they tested positive for people who have relatively insignificant amounts of the virus. So the way that I thought about it is like it's a metal detector that just signals that you have gold regardless of what you, you hover it over. So it's, it's just way too I'll tell sensitive. You that it's not that it's way too sensitive. It's designed to enhance degenerated and fragmentary RNA. Exactly. It's for like archaeology. It is not for live infections and it cannot detect or does not detect load, which is why the guy who got the Nobel Prize for inventing it insisted when they tried to use it for HIV that it wasn't going to work. And then when you read Nancy Turner Banks, she tells you that those little those little fragments of DNA aren't even anything but either I don't know. She even thinks they might be exosomes. She, from what I understood her saying is when you have um, unhealthy cell death, like not your regular cell death where they, your body reuses the cell material, but necrosis it, where it just dies, you it just busts out. And mitochondria has a different RNA, DNA, whatever, of your own cells. So you can actually have what looks like foreign RNA or DNA in your blood then uh because of this this uh unhealthy cell death i mean obviously i'm an amateur trying to figure this stuff out in a way i can get my mind around it but that's that's how i understand it so if you're looking to enhance fragmentary rna you you might find it and it might even be given that it's fragmentary and covid-19 is a coronavirus of which there's 60 or 70 floating around on any given winter anyway, then perhaps, and I think this is probably why you have two-year-old blood samples testing positive for it, perhaps fragments of other coronaviruses could trigger the PCR positive, which could be why they have so many negative, uh, false positives. That's pretty close to, yeah, that's pretty close really? to how it okay, works. That's yeah. my understanding. The most widely used test is called the PCR test. And the way that the PCR test has been providing results is that it is coming back with a simple yes-no answer. So if it detects any of those fragments of a dead virus because it is so sensitive to what it detects. Well, viruses are not alive, so it w- they're all dead. You know, and I'm not trying to correct you. I'm just saying you have to yeah. understand they're not even they don't even know what they are, really. So they're all going to be non-virulent. Right. They're dead. Well, there's going to be a they're lot of things. There's going to be they're a lot of non-life. premises and assumptions that you'll want to question based on this explanation. Okay, I won't. All right, so let, let me get through it. Then you can, you can rip, yeah, it, rip it to shreds. No problem. The problem with the yes, no answer is that that's not that's not good enough. That's not how they usually use these PR tests or these PCR tests. Is the way they usually use them to test other viruses is they test the amount of virus that a person had, the viral load. We've heard that term before. And that's the significance of it because that determines whether or not someone is contagious and whether or not they should isolate because almost everybody has these fragments within us, as you pointed out a long time ago. So to test the yes or no is not really an accurate way to determine if somebody is positive or not. And see, the details of this matter because of the way that this all went down. And the way that the test works is similar to what you said, is it amplifies that genetic material from the virus in cycles. And the fewer amount of cycles required, the greater the amount of virus there is. So if it only is, so the test can do a standard of 
the doctors they talked to said that the test should do a standard of 30 cycles if it is to detect a virus that is infectious. Anything higher than that is not likely to accurately detect a live virus. So 30 to 35 is what should be used when it comes to the cycle threshold. And that's what they call it, a cycle threshold. It says the number of amplification cycles needed to find the virus called the cycle threshold is not included in the results sent to the doctors. So it should be included. But they did not include that in any of the results that were sent to the doctors. They just included the plus minus. So they don't know how much of the virus is in there or how many cycles was needed to detect that virus. Then you come to find out that all of the tests across the country use either a limit, a threshold limit of 40 cycles. Some use 37 cycles. Now, the people they talk to that are virologists were shocked this is basically this is crazy that they're using a threshold of 40 or 37 when 30 is what 30 or less someone said 30 or less is what should be used because you're not going to detect live virus at 40 so all of the tests are basically bunk according to this article here's why this is interesting the food and drug administration said in an email that it does not specify the cycle threshold ranges used to determine who is positive and that the commercial manufacturers and laboratories set their own cycle thresholds. Now, that's interesting because they knew this. They're well aware that they the get paid for it. Yes. And yeah, how do you make a bunch of money? You get a bunch of positive tests and you increase the demand for your test. So these companies made billions of dollars knowing they were making bogus tests because they all knew this. You read this article, it's abundantly clear that everybody was well aware that the threshold should have been 30 to accurately test people. So all these people made a bunch of bunch of money off of it then you go down and the cdc the cdc itself says that it's extremely difficult to detect any live virus in a sample above a threshold of 33 cycles and the cdc did not tell the labs to share with them the 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 information about how many cycles they used or to share with them or to share it with the contact tracing organizations because this article concludes that the people who like 90 percent of the people who got subjected to contact tracing should not have had their data shared and should not have been sub subject to contact tracing and the cdc says this listen to this extraordinary statement the center for disease control said it is examining the use of the cycle thresholds and it said it would need to collaborate with the fda and with device manufacturers to to ensure the measures can be used properly and with assurances that we know what the test results mean. It's a little late to collaborate with the manufacturers and the FDA to determine what the test results mean. This has been almost a year and they're just now, this is all a con. I have a very strong response to that. Good. Everyone should have a strong response to the story. This story calls into question everything that's been done to, quote, slow the spread since day one. Everything that's upended our lives and society, but no one in the media is really focusing on it because it doesn't fit into their agenda. Now, I don't have to tell you or anyone listening that the news is biased. All news is biased. Whether intentional or unintentional, there's always at least some level of bias in the news that we consume, and this bias does impact how we see the world. Fortunately, ground news is making it a lot easier for us to quickly recognize this bias. 
bias. Ground News is a new app that provides readers with objective data about the underlying political bias in all published news stories. It's the first ever news comparison platform. Here's how it works. Ground News collects data from over 50,000 news sources and runs a real-time media bias tracking. Then, the coverage bias rating is visually shown alongside the story. For every story that you read, you can compare how reporting differs across sources with different political biases and see if the coverage of the story skews more to the left or more to the right. Now, Ground News represents a larger movement of people who are fed up with traditional, highly politicized news. No one wants to be spoon-fed ideas or subtly influenced in covert ways. What Ground News does is gives the power to the people so that you can make up your own mind. If you want to learn more and try out Ground News for yourself, and I highly recommend that you do, head on over to ground.news slash prop. That's ground.news slash prop and enter the code prop that's spelled P-R-O-P in all caps to get one month free of Ground News Pro. And as an exclusive limited time offer, listeners of the Propaganda Report will get 20% off Ground News premium membership. So what are you waiting for? Get on over to ground.news slash prop and start judging the truth for yourself today. So my response is, I think of that article coupled with the article about that only 6% was it of all CDs of all COVID deaths were of COVID alone. Everything else had comorbidities on the death certificate. Didn't we talk about, did we talk about that on the air? No. No, we didn't talk about it on the air. Okay. Well, this is the thing that. Well, we did, but months ago, we talked about this on the air. Yes, yes, but that over the weekend, Trump tweeted that the CDC quietly reveals blah, 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 and they took down his tweet, and the debunkery was that the CDC wasn't quiet about it. Yeah, everybody focused on that word, quietly. Whatever, but it's just my point is now you have bubbling to the surface from the mainstream Trump and the New York Times and everything identifying the deep flaws that we recognize from the first week of this thing. Why? I think it's that they're going to either validate, redeem, vindicate Trump in time for the election, or at least make it look like that's the reason for the surprise win. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be a surprise, but like the, you know, the polling was favoring Biden for a while. I just feel like this all means... I think Trump is going to win just because they need cover for more multi-trillion dollar deficits and all this other stuff. This Patriot appeasement program that he's in charge of is for sure uh, useful to them. So I assume he's going to win again. And I feel like this is all part of that by validating his interpretation of the COVID thing as opposed to the Democrats. Yeah. And the way that they tested to, to come to this conclusion, the data that they analyzed across New York, the state of New York was one of the states in Massachusetts and Nevada, is they those there was some labs there that had done, they did have the data about the viral load and the thresholds. So they analyzed all of that data that did have the threshold information available. And based on that information, 90% of the people that tested positive, as I mentioned earlier, would not have tested positive. That's pretty oh, telling wow. To me. So 90% would have yeah. been a negative test. Yeah. To me, there's been absolutely, in my observation, not only is there no correlation between people who feel symptoms and people who get a positive test, there's actually been, in a sample set of, say, 10 people I know personally, a, a or close enough, family members of friends, whatever, who where the correlation between the testing and the illness are inverse. 
So I know more people who had no symptoms and got a positive test and people who had symptoms and got a negative test. That, that accounts for basically everybody I know who got tested. <laughs> it's inverse correlation. So it doesn't mean anything to me that, I, yes, they got, you know what I mean? I always discount the testing element of it. I think those are two very different things. So you're saying like all the tests are bogus and also the deaths are bogus. So there's, there's nothing to this then. They are continuing to say that there was like a 10% excess death spike, but I would... I, I want to see how that pans out over a year or two to see. I would. I expect regression to the mean. The problem with this CDC data, and yeah, they removed Trump's tweet and they called it a QAnon conspiracy because a QAnon. This is false because QAnon. Don't look at the CDC website or the yeah. or the statistics. And we've been talking about the comorbidity aspect for a long time. But one of the primary causes when you look at the statistics is pneumonia. Everything has a pneumonia-related aspect to it. And one of the primary causes of death in an ICU, in an emergency room, is emergency room pneumonia. Because you bring all the sick people to one place and they get they pass around that pneumonia sickness. I My mom has gotten pneumonia when she's been in the ICU for long periods of time. And when you intubate people and you have that pneumonia aspect and they end up dying – that is not a COVID death. And it actually, all of this, it seems to me to support terrain theory over germ theory in that I could, I'm a very healthy person and people like it, your mom gets it. You don't, right? So you both go to the same place and she gets pneumonia. You don't get it, right? No, I don't. I haven't. Right. Because you're healthy. So the terrain theory is if you come in with unhealthy cells, environment, atmosphere, where like congestive heart failure can lead to pneumonia because your body doesn't cycle through the fluids and everything quickly enough. That's why people with congestive heart failure have other problems. So if there is some bug that's going to grow in that environment that a healthy person would just not succumb to, that is what it is with with pneumonia. It's not, that's the problem. And any bug that's there that's going to catch hold maybe beats out other bugs, but it doesn't mean you're not going to get pneumonia if those bugs aren't there. You're getting pneumonia because you're sick. When you go into an atmosphere that's probably quite sick, I mean, hospitals do not seem like healthy places. So, I mean, who knows? Even just the chemicals alone may make your system worse. The treatment, the atrogenic illness is probably the majority of illnesses at this point, especially if you're already sick. Yeah. Cause of death anyway. They changed society for a long, for the long run. Oh, forever? They collected data. They forever. implemented these policies. And now we have the CDC saying, oh, yeah, we better get together with them and make sure we understand how the te-. I mean, this is a joke. And that's why I pointed out from the beginning, they're going to blame Trump for interfering in how they use data. You were but right wanna, on about that. Yeah. I want to point out something about this change. This isn't a little change. This is a 50 year change. And you look back, maybe 100. And I was just thinking 50 years ago was the Cultural Revolution in the 60s, which had everybody going on drugs and checking out and World War Two vets and their kids getting, you know, the World War Two vets are super conservative and their kids were getting naked in the street. Then 50 years before that, you had World War One, which I consider to be a, a centuries long change. And then 50 years before that, here anyway, you had the Civil War. 
So that was a tremendous, tremendous cultural change. And before that was the War of 1812. I really don't know anything about that. <laughs> but uh, it seems to me, I don't know if they wait, if it depends on the generations forgetting the prior cultural revolution, but this is a cultural revolution similar to Mao, very similar, I think, to World War One. And it's not just a change. It's a complete transformation of society. It is the great reset. It's the great transformation, according to the IMF. That is what it is. And it is, and it's sick, but that's why I think we need to look at it differently. And I'm still trying to get my mind around it. Are you ready to try CBD products and see why so many people swear by everything from CBD oil to body lotion to muscle rub? TrueHempscience.com is at the ready with the highest quality products they developed over decades in the business and a lifelong pursuit of nutrition, health, and spiritual well-being. They are eager to introduce you to the CBD experience and so confident in their products, they offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and a special offer for Propaganda Report listeners. To learn more about their company, their passion, and their products, go to truehempscience.com slash propreport. So I was thinking, I mean, we could keep talking about the COVID stuff. I still have more, but I want to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse thing in... That was in Wisconsin, right? This guy, he was supposedly a boogaloo boy. You tell me what you think is the story, just in a couple of sentences, and then I'll tell you what I think. It depends on who you ask. If you ask people on the right, then he went to protect businesses from being looted. But who was he? He was some kid who they don't talk much about from what I've seen, his background. On the left, they say he's a white nationalist boogaloo boy who went out there and murdered people. On the right, they say the right self-defense. That he walked over to a, there was a car dealership, cars were being broken into or they're being looted and people surrounded him. Somebody fired a weapon up in the air that he didn't fire first and he shot somebody. Then he ran, fell on the ground. Somebody tried to bash him with a skateboard. He shot that guy. And then some other guy tried, had pointed a gun at him and he shot that guy. And then he walked over to police yeah. and everybody's outraged that the police didn't shoot him on the left. They didn't, it was very weird when he went over to the police because he had a huge gun and people were saying he shot somebody and, and the cops, you know what cops do when they, you walk towards them holding a huge gun with your hands, both hands on the gun? I you thought know what his they hands do? were up in the air. Sometimes they were, but not when it started. I watched, there was like a two minute video. Somebody took a complete video. Compl- I mean, it might as well have been, you know, you can kind of see Carl Reiner in the background. <laughs> Rob Reiner telling him how to frame the shot. No, I don't know if I'm not saying it was fake, but I, I, I'm just saying that I. So you see, so what, what, what do you think would happen if you walked towards a cop car with a huge gun slung across your chest with one hand on each end of it? I can't believe you can even put one hand on each end after it's been fired. But what do you think a cop would say to you, Brad? It would because I know what he would say to me. It would depend if I knew the cop and I had talked to the cop prior earlier in the day. I think that I think that he was doing that, from what I understand. I think there might have been a familiarity there. But if I didn't know the cop, I I wouldn't do that. But I would expect to yeah, probably I mean, have I guess weapons raised. If there's something. You know, it does seem like there was something absolutely radically different about how the cops are interacting with these guys compared to how cops interact with everyone else always. So 
in my mind, you walk towards a cop with that. He says to you, get on the ground, put the weapon down, put your hands over your head, blah, blah, blah. That's what they do. They don't let you continue to walk towards them with a huge gun. They just do not do that. That's a completely atypical situation. But I did watch the video. And, and he's being, there was a USA Today article which describes the video and then actually has an inset that says the way we figured out this narrative was we interviewed eyewitnesses, we watched news reports, blah, blah, blah. Like I've never seen before. You've probably seen it, but I never noticed before that an article says in it how they came up with the story as opposed to just citing references along the way and sources. It was very, very weird. Then I actually watched the video, which did not reflect what that USA Today article was saying. It's like, oh, people were running towards him to save our lives. And at one point it says like, oh, yeah, one of these guys went towards him. He had a pistol up in the air, but he wasn't really pointing at him and he got shot. But when I watched the video, it was very clear somebody came up behind him or threw something at him. Uh, the USA Today thinks that he fell down and people went to help him or some crazy stuff like that. He did shoot people who were attacking him. There's no question about that. But we got a message from somebody who said he knows Boogaloo boys who were there. This kid, 17-year-old, who is not a Boogaloo boy, according to social media, but really a thin blue line supporter, as it was described to me. And that is in the literature for sure. That, that they, nobody in the Boogaloo Boys knew him at all. And, uh, that all they were doing there was trying to keep redirect protesters from lighting a gas station on fire to going and looting or marauding government facilities. And that when they saw the writing on the wall, they decided to leave and they told him to go with them and he didn't. He stayed behind. So he was by himself. He was away from the herd. He was acting strange. I mean, it just, I'm sure when somebody listens to what, to what I'm just saying, they, they, they're going to send me more information because it seemed too weird. But he, he did shoot people. But then even afterwards, there were more guns being fired in the background that he was not firing them. So I don't know what the story was i think for me one of the takeaways from the story is that he's not going to get charged with first degree murder i think that that's how these well, it wasn't out. first degree murder this, no i know but that's that. what they're that's what they're calling for they show video that looks bad that can easily be spun that they know legally is not going to end in a prosecution which means after it doesn't end in a prosecution they can say oh the system's broken and it's racist and we need to tear the whole system down and riot and they're calling him a white nationalist he didn't the protesters he shot were were white not that it, you know that's that's bad to shoot anybody they they had a criminal record that doesn't matter still bad to shoot people but he was also he was you know it's going to be a self defense argument i think the police might have known him because he was a certified CPR technician and he had been helping people prior to all this happening. And he'd been in some kind of like junior police program. Oh, wow. Weirdly, he had been interviewed prior that day by the Daily Beast. I don't know if it was the Daily Beast or the Daily Caller. I'm sure I have that here and it makes a big difference. But the, but one thing that I want to make very clear is that I had seen this coming in the Portland thing when I said what people were saying, well, you got to get the feds in there because they're dereliction of duty. I never said get a bunch of people together to roam the streets and protect you. 
No, what I said and what I absolutely stand by is this idea of delegating responsibility for self-defense to another party does not work. So you need to stand on your property, employ the castle doctrine, you have be armed, stay on your own property. That's why public roads are a problem because you can't Customers can't access your property without accessing a public road, which you do not have the right to physically defend. But I never, people tweeted at me like, is this what you were looking for? No, I absolutely anticipated that this would be a cluster and something like this would happen, that it would be set up to happen. So I, this guy seems more like a patsy to me just because he looks so young. He does look young. But he's identified by his backwards hat. Like, you can always pick him out of a crowd. There's something about this story that is very constructed. And the fact that he was in the media earlier that day, it's just a lot of weird things. But it was anticipated to me that they would, that there would be a scenario like this. And that would discredit self-defense and, and emphasize the need to upsource defense to an even higher governmental level, which across the board from healthcare to roads to policing to regulations to vaccinations, all we're seeing is government failure all around. And the cry from left and right is more higher government. And that is the exact opposite. We should be looking at take control of your own protection and health. Yeah, I could see a situation where this was organized through a Facebook group where some agent infiltrated, some provocateur infiltrated it, identified him as a target, easy, manipulatable target, got him there, kind of shake the rattlesnakes in a shoebox and throw him out. Yeah. So I I can see him being set up because he seemed like an eager wanting to participate. The the cops were were supposedly the reports where the cops were cooperating with these guys and said one quote said oh the cops told me that they were funneling the protesters towards us the boys because we could handle it and they couldn't you know i don't know if that's true or not i read that quote in an article in the mainstream media but i'm just saying if the cops were in on it or fake cops were part of it from the you know upper echelons of powers that be Perhaps someone of an official nature, which would explain why this guy had no problem walking towards the cops, a huge gun. Yeah. You know, you're right. Maybe he did have a relationship with them specifically. Yeah. It they seems were like he wanted on to scene be. pretty quickly. Very quickly. They were on that scene. Who lets when, a 17 year old? Maybe his parents didn't know. Who lets a 17 year old walk into that situation? You have to be completely just oblivious to what's going on. Who knows? I mean, if you talk to them, maybe he said, my cop buddy told me to meet him there. That's true. It could have been conned. Because he wasn't a boog. No. Is the boog on the left or right? I'm still confused about that. They don't. They. It's not. It's neither. It's, it's They're supposedly libertarians, which allow them to cross lines. So they empathize with the BLM. They emphasize with the no cops. They're kind of just, it seems to me vigilante group and the book the boogaloo is the revolution okay interesting so and and that's why they're here to stay and a lot of people who are completely legit are or sincere are associated with it it's very classic you know kind of like q i think yeah and i want to draw i want to connect the dots of this and q in the patron 15 i would like to do that as well and i want to tell you about a call I got from a pollster over the weekend that I don't think went the way that the pollster hoped it would go. 
You guys can find Sounds your Drive cringy. Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com, your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to you guys in the Patreon 15 or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day.